Do you guys believe that today? Do you believe that there's peace in his presence? Do you believe that when you speak the name of Jesus, that, that he defeats the darkness and the enemy and, and the things that maybe are in your life? Yeah. It is my prayer that, that, that as we just focus on the name of Jesus, that you will allow him to do work in your life. We don't have to ask his presence to be here. He's here. It's just whether or not you'll allow him to do the work in your life that he can do. So, so let's just talk to him about it. Jesus, I just pray right now that, that you would move in our midst, that you would do great things, that Jesus, that, that through your name and through your power and through your ability and through your authority, that darkness that would leave, that the depression would be dealt with, that, that addiction would be dropped, that, that, that Lord, that victories would be found. We just pray that in your name. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So how are y'all doing today? Everybody good? Good? Man, it's great to be back with y'all. Um, if you're new with us, my name's Josh, and I was gone last weekend, was out on an anniversary trip with my wife. Uh, we've been, been married for 30 years now, all right, so crazy, which simply means if it's been 30 years that one, I'm old, and two, she's a real saint of the Lord, and she sticks to her commitments, okay? So thankful for that. We had a great time, and uh, just good to be back with y'all, and, and excited about today. And what I want to do today is, is we're going to talk about this series called Looking for a Miracle, but we're going to do it with this idea of looking at things, well, how do I say it? Like, in a, things that are amazing, like, like, Maybe in, in the sense of, is it possible for you to amaze Jesus? Now, that's probably the easiest way for me to say it. And there's a lot of things in our life that, that maybe we would say are amazing. Uh, like some of you would say a hot Krispy Kreme donut is amazing, right? Anybody here been to Parlor Donuts? I knew you had. Them things are amazing. If you ever find yourself in Pauly's Island, stop by parlor, okay? Like there's all kinds of things that are amazing, but I wanna tell you something that I find amazing. And for me to do that, I, I gotta kind of share a, a, a secret with you. And I, I'm just gonna be real with you for, for my seven years of being here with y'all. I've always tried to be real. I've tried to be honest with you. I've told you things that I love, like Diet Coke and golf. I've told you things that I hate, like cats. Right? Anybody with me on that one? Thank you. I'm, I'm sure there's a few of you. Okay. Um, I, I, I do know a, fr a couple of friends who own cats and I'm worried about them. But other, other than that, you know, but I've told you my sin issue of anger today. I'm just going to let it be known what my guilty pleasure is. You know, we all have some guilty pleasures. Some of them are sin habits. Some of them are just guilty pleasures, all right? My guilty pleasure is fail videos. Anybody with me? Anybody love a good fail video? Allison, I see that real easily, okay? Like, like if I find myself in front of a fail video, I can't help but stop and watch. 
Like, like, we'll be at home. I might be looking at something on Facebook. All of a sudden, I'll start laughing. And Chris will just go, you're watching a fail video. I'm like, yeah. Like, I can't help it. Like, I am all in because they amaze me, right? Like, like there's sometimes people do stuff that is just so stupid that I'm just like, wow. And that amazes me. Other times, people will do something that is, like, amazing. You're just like, Wow, you know, like they might like do a, a trick with a bike or jump something or something on a diving board. And you're just like, wow, that, that's really cool. And it amazes me. So when I watch a fail video, I can be amazed by somebody pulling off a stunt or I can be amazed by somebody like totally messing up a stunt, right? Like, like I wanna prove it to you. I wanna show you some things, all right? So let's watch a, a video. This is called Nailed It or failed it, and you are going to have to vote. This is crowd interaction. You're gonna to have to vote if they nailed it or failed it. All right, so let, let's watch this first one. Okay, guy in the diving board. How many of y'all think he nailed it? Like he like succeeded? None of you. Here's what that means. You're all sadistic or you think I'm sadistic and I'll only put a fail video up there, okay? So how many of y'all think he failed? Okay, like, no, like, if you didn't raise your hand the first time, you got to raise it now, okay? All right, so let, let's see what he did. <laughs> oh, I can't help but laugh. I've seen that a hundred times. All right, hi, here, here's the next one. Let, let's see how this diving board guy goes. Nailed it. Anybody think he succeeded? Okay, a couple of you. Betsy's with me on the success, okay? How many fails? Okay, let, let, let's see what happens. You count for him, Aaliyah. <laughs> like, bam! All right, all right, all right. I, I got another one for you. How, how about this one? Another diving board. These are all diving board ones. I mean, that's good form. Nailed it. Now, yeah, it's always on this one. People are like, I, I think this guy's got it, okay? All right, all right, let, let, let's see what happens. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good dive, okay? Impressive, right, right? Like, like I'm amazed by that. I couldn't do that, all right? All right, how about this last one? <laughs> how, many think, how many think that she nailed it? Right? Oh, okay, a bunch of you. The reason you got your hand up, you're like, Josh wouldn't do one of a female because that would be rude for him to, to have a female. Like, exactly. I totally agree, right? Like, she didn't fail, did she? Did she? Let, let's see. <laughs> It's like she forgot to jump, right? It's like, whoops, let's just go. This girl might be watching today. I don't know. And I feel guilty because it's a female. Um, but, but wow. Okay. I, here, one last one. This one isn't a nail or fail. This is just funny. <laughs> like what in the world just happened there, right? And I know you might be going, Josh, why are you showing me fail videos? I could, I could have sat at home and watched this on Facebook, right? You know what I mean? I do it for this reason. Is sometimes we can watch somebody do something and it's amazing. And other times we watch somebody do something and you're like, that was amazing. Do you realize that with Jesus, it can be the same way? Like Jesus can look at your life and look at my life and he can be amazed. 
Like literally can look at your life, can look at my life and go, wow, that was amazing. And at the same time, he can look at the way we live our lives at times and go, wow, I'm amazed by that. Right? You see what I'm getting at? Like there's times in our life, especially when it comes to faith, that we can amaze Jesus in a positive way or we can amaze him in a negative way. We can amaze Jesus by uh, an act of faith or we can amaze Jesus by a lack of faith. And what I want us to do today is to, to realize that when it comes to life, I want to amaze Jesus by my acts of faith. But what I'm afraid of is for most of us, we would say that, well, I probably amaze Jesus by my lack of faith. Because when it comes to faith, I, I'm just not really good at it. And you might say, Josh, it would take a miracle for me to actually amaze Jesus by my faith. And you might say that because maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching and, and you don't have faith in Jesus. Like you come to church every week because you go, it's a good family time. It's good for me, my, my spouse, my kids. Maybe, maybe you come uh, just because a girl invites you and you're just like, all right, I'll call that a date. We went to church, right? You know what I mean? And you just come for, for a girl who's inviting you. Or, or maybe you come because you're just like, well, every now and then that, that you say something good, Josh, and I can apply it into my life. And, and, and so I'll come, but, but faith in Jesus, nah, that, that's too much for me. And my prayer is today that, that you'll step over to this other side of the coin and you'll actually grab a hold of faith and have an act of faith that can amaze Jesus. But, but, but reality is I think the majority of us, what we probably wrestle with is not saving faith. Like, like my guess is as many of us in this room that we've said, I wanna trust Jesus for salvation, but we just don't trust him with the other areas of our life. They were like, okay, Jesus, like, I want you to save my soul, but, but leave my finances alone. Like, like Jesus, I, I can't trust you with my finances. Or, or Jesus, I want you to save my soul, I'll trust you that, but I, I can't trust you with my singleness. Like, I don't know if I can trust you with a relationship. I don't know if I can trust you to get that right, so I'm gonna have to do the work on that end. Or I don't know if I can trust you with my career or with my calling or with my parents or with my kids or, or with, with whatever else might be going on in life. We're just like, I wanna trust him there, but I don't have faith there, so it would take a miracle for me to impress Jesus or to amaze Jesus by my faith. But again, my guess is that if you find yourself over here, chances are you'd like to have that miracle. And I want you to know it's possible. And, and it's honestly, it's not difficult. I mean, it might be difficult to walk out, but, but I, I'm gonna give you three steps today, three simple things to do that will help you to have a faith in, in, and to live your life in such a way that your faith amazes Jesus rather than having a lack of faith that amazes him. And, and I'm gonna to get to that, but before I do, I just wanna share a couple Bible stories. And the reason I wanna share these Bible stories is because they illustrate it perfectly. Because the first story I'm gonna share with you is about a guy who had a faith that amazed Jesus. And then the second story is about a group of people who had a lack of faith that amazed Jesus. So let's look at it. It'll be Luke chapter uh, seven, and in Luke seven, it, it reads like this. It says, at that time, 
the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. They earnestly, meaning they, the Jewish elders, they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. All right, now, I'm not gonna interject a lot because I'll do that later, but, but just to make sure we're on the same page so far is there's a Roman officer, we call him a centurion because he would have been in charge of a 100 other soldiers, all right? And, and as a Roman leader, he had a slave that was sick. He sent some Jewish elders to Jesus to ask for his slave to be healed. And the Jewish leaders went on his behalf. That tells us something about this Roman officer, that one, that the Jews liked him and that he was willing to go to Jesus. All right, I'll get to that later, though. Let me keep reading. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house... The officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and to meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Like he says, just, just say the word. Like, 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 and again, I, I want to stop there for just a second, that, that the Roman officer, he, he doesn't even approach Jesus. He says that he's not worthy. So maybe he, he truly didn't feel worthy. Maybe that was an act of humility. Maybe it was also a sign of respect because he knew that if Jesus came to his house, that Jesus, according to Jewish tradition, would be ceremonially unclean because this guy's what was called a Gentile. So to protect Jesus' ministry and his future work, he basically said, nope, don't even come to my house. One way or another, he stopped him, whether it's an act of humility or an act of respect, and he said, you don't have to come, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. And then it goes on and he says this, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was, what's that word? He was amazed. When Jesus heard this soldier say this, he was amazed. Now, turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Like everybody who's been expecting me to come, they don't have this kind of faith. They, that, that Jesus basically looked at this guy and said, he has faith. And he was amazed. And the, the word there that is used in the original language means marvel. So, so I want you to picture it, that Jesus marveled at this soldier. He was amazed by this soldier, that, that, that he saw his faith and was like, wow. Parents in here, you've probably experienced this. 
You've probably had your child come home from preschool or kindergarten and they've had some kind of artwork and you've picked it up and you're like, wow, and you marveled at it and you put it on the refrigerator, right? How many of y'all have ever done that, right? Like we do that, we marvel at it. When they come home in middle school with the same kind of artwork, we go, wow, am I right? We marvel at it at some point And at a different point, we're like, okay. Well, guys, this is what I want you to think about with your faith. I want us to live our lives in such a way that we have an act of faith that God is like, wow. Jesus marvels at it. Unfortunately, too many times we're over here. That we're not like the Roman centurion. We're more like the people of Nazareth. Let me share their story with you. It's from Mark uh, chapter six. It reads like this. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And then they scoffed, meaning some others scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. Let me pause there for a second. This is kind of a rabbit trail on the sermon, but I love this part of the verse because it gives us some good biography of Jesus. I mean, this tells you exactly who Jesus was when he was on earth. He was a carpenter. He was the son of Mary, which means they didn't mention his dad, Joseph. So at this point, would have meant that his dad, Joseph, had died and passed on. So he's a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Judas and, and Simon and Joseph, right? He had four brothers. We, all, we know them all by name. Two of them later on in life wrote books about him. The, uh, James wrote, wrote the epistle of James, which we have in the Bible. Uh, Judas wrote the epistle of Jude, which we have in the Bible, all right? Now, when they wrote it, they believed him in him, but at this point in their life, they didn't. See, his brothers, his sisters, the people in Nazareth, they didn't believe. They were deeply offended and refused <clears throat> to believe in him. And then Jesus told them, Well, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was, what's the word? Come on. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I want you to see this that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief, that he marveled at their unbelief, that he was shocked by their unbelief, that you've got a group of people that Jesus is amazed in, in the wrong way, and then on this side, you have an individual that Jesus is amazed at in a positive way. And what is the difference? It's an act of faith. And so again, I take you back to the thing I've started with today. And it's this, is when it comes to your faith, how does it amaze Jesus? Like like if you were to really dig deep and think about your faith, does your faith 
amaze Jesus or does your faith amaze Jesus? And again, my prayer is that if any of us are over here, we'd say, I want to get here. Well, how do I get there? Through an act of faith. That that through an act of faith, I can actually have Jesus marvel at me or be amazed by me. And we'll see that just by looking back at the story. And and so if you have your phone, if you got a journal, here's where I want to give you just these three steps that you'll see straight from the story. The first thing is, if you want to have an act of faith, then you've got to accept the evidence. Think about the Roman officer for a second. He accepted the evidence. We could go back to even before Jesus. My guess is, now again, this is what I'm going to say, my guess, because as I interpret the scripture, my guess is, is that he was a believer in God meaning the monotheistic God, the God Almighty. The Romans, they were a polytheistic uh, uh, civilization, but this Roman soldier helped the Jews build a synagogue. Why would he do that? Maybe just to keep the pace, uh, peace, excuse me. Maybe just because he was nice, maybe. But, but my guess is, is he did it because he saw something in their faith and in their God that he's like, I need to start following that God. Again, that's just opinion and an idea. I can say this, that he accepted the evidence when it came to Jesus. And we know that because he sent word to Jesus on behalf of his servant. Why did he do that? Why would he call out to Jesus? My guess is because he either saw or heard the evidence of the work of Christ. Like, like maybe he was out on patrol, and while he's out on patrol, he saw this guy named Jesus come into his region. And maybe he saw Jesus heal a blind man. Maybe he saw him help a lame man start to walk. Maybe he didn't witness it. Maybe he just heard about it. Maybe he's out on patrol, and he saw some people running into town going, dude, can you believe that? Like, that dude can hear now. Like, my my brother, like, you can actually see. You're running. You're dancing. Your leprosy is gone. Maybe he saw Jesus do some work, or maybe he just heard it. But one way or another, he heard or saw the evidence enough that he was willing to say, I'm going to send my servant. There was evidence. Now, with the, the, the people of Nazareth, they saw the evidence. I mean, it says that they saw Jesus do miracles. That, that they wondered at him, yet they didn't choose to accept it. Rather than accepting the evidence, they just saw Jesus as a guy from their town. So, so my question to you today is, will you accept the evidence? If you want to have an act of faith, the first thing to do is accept the evidence. And you might go, okay, Josh, that's great back then, but, but what's the evidence today? And I'd say it's all around us. You ever stood in creation? And I don't think you can look at creation without seeing the evidence of God. Anybody agree with me on that? Like there's just something about the fingerprint of God that is all over creation. That you look at the stars, you look at the moon, you look at at the waves, you look at the mountains, you look at the sunsets or the sunrise, you're like, there has to be a God. Uh, The book of Romans says that his divine nature and his character can be seen through his creation. There's evidence there. I think there's evidence of God the minute you look at your your body. 
Like, like you look at a baby in a womb, you look at your body and how your fingers work. It is a, an evidence of an intelligent designer designing us. I, I think there's evidence if we just simply will open up the Bible and look at scripture. And I know you might come from a, from a position where you're like, I don't know if I can believe all that. Man, the evidence is real. Like you, you can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I call them the biographies. A lot of people will call them the gospels. Like you can even go to the academia world and they would say they are historically and geographically accurate. Like you cannot find fault with his word when it comes to that. There's the evidence, the evidence of the cross, the evidence of the resurrection. Now you can find it in scripture. You can find it in books of outside of scripture. There is evidence all around us. And if that's not enough, I would say this. Just look at the person, maybe to your right or left, because that's evidence of God. And I'm not saying this in a mean way. I'm not trying to be mean. But for some of us, the life we had before Christ and the life we now have after Christ is evidence of a miracle-working God. Amen? I mean, it's evidence. Some of you, you, you've been married to your spouse for a while and you knew them before Christ and now after Christ. And you would say, before Christ, this marriage wouldn't have worked. After Christ, he did a miracle. That you look at the way God has moved inside of your family and you'd say, that is only by the work of Christ. That you see how God has looked, moved in your life. I am confident of this that you could go to the person to your right or to your left or within two or three other people and say, do you have any evidence of God working in your life? And somebody will share a testimony with you. I believe it. Will you accept the evidence? You wanna have an act of faith, accept the evidence. And then secondly, I'd say claim the authority. Now, when I say claim the authority, I, I, I've gotta explain this for just a second because we're in a series on miracles. And there are people out there in our world who they will claim they have the authority to do miracles. That they'll call themselves a miracle worker, that they have the authority. I wanna again say it, and I've said it several weeks in a row, but I wanna again say it. There is no authority whatsoever that I have on my own behalf, but there is authority inside of the name of Jesus. That Jesus has the authority. And then when you mention the name of Jesus, he can do a miracle. So I want to accept that authority. Now, the people of Nazareth, they didn't. They, they literally looked at Jesus and was like, dude, you're a carpenter. Like, like you're Mary's son. Like, like you're the brother of, of all these guys. Like, I'm sure there were some people going, dude, Jesus, you were the guy on the playground who was always picked last and got out first when it came to kickball or dodgeball or whatever. Like, like I'm, I'm guessing there were some people going, there's no way, because we know who you are. You have no authority to do this. But the Roman officer was the exact opposite. The Roman officer, he looked at Jesus and said, you have the authority. He said, just as I have the authority, I can tell my soldiers to go and they go or stay and they stay. Just in the same way that I have authority, Jesus, you have authority. You have authority because you're the one in control. 
You have authority because you said it. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That he has the authority. He has the authority because he is an all-knowing God. That, that Jesus knows everything. That, that in Acts chapter 1, the apostle said, Jesus, you know every man's heart. In John chapter 1, there was a guy named Nathaniel who was underneath a fig tree. And uh, a guy named Philip came to him and said, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel was like, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And Philip said, well, come and see. So Nathaniel went, he found Jesus. And when he was approaching Jesus, Jesus looked at him before saying a single word, looked at him and said, now you are a true man of God. He's like, yeah, how do you know that? And he said, I saw you underneath the fig tree before Philip ever even called. Jesus knows. He knows you. He knows me. He knows everything going on in our lives. And he has the power to intervene on our behalf. See, see, Jesus has all the power. I love how Psalm 8 verse 3 says it. It says, by his fingertips, he hung the moon and the stars. Think about that for a second. You ever tried to lift something heavy? We don't do it with our fingertips. Like you got a big box, you got something big you got to move, you're going to get down and you're going to lift with your legs. You're going to use all of your might. Uh, for some of you who work on cars and stuff like that, there's times that you'll grab a wrench and you'll try to get something loose and it's not enough. So you grab a torque bar so you can get better leverage so that you got to use all of your might. Think about it. Jesus used all of his might in creating the moon and the stars with his fingertips. To create the earth with your fingertips must mean you got a whole lot of power. It's like he's like, well, let's put, let's put that star there. Let's put that star. Let, let's just throw the Milky Way. There we go. With his fingertips. And you might say, okay, Josh, that's great. But how does that help me in my faith? What do you mean claim the authority? Here's how I do it. Okay, and I'm just going to tell you this is how I do it. That when I'm praying, that as I'm praying, that, that, that I'm going to accept the evidence and be like, God, I know how you've moved in the past, so I want you to move in the present. And I'm gonna claim the authority by going, God, I know that you know everything that that person is going through. You know their hardship. You know their illness. You know their grief. And because you know them, I'm gonna ask that you would sustain them through this and use your power. God, I know that you know that person. I know that you know the addiction that they're dealing with or the depression that they're dealing with or whatever it, it might be. God, you have control over the darkness. You have control over the enemy. So I'm asking you, God, to move in to that situation and with all of your power, kick the enemy out of their life. Like that's how I'm claiming the authority. And then as I do that, well, then I just got to trust the process. Go back to the Roman centurion. Well, like I want you to think about his act of faith in the way that he trusted the process. Like, like when he sent word to the to, to Jesus, when he sent his friends, it would have been so easy for him to go, well, I need to go. I mean, think about it this way. Have you ever sent an important message out? Well, let's say you do it by email or text. 
after that, after you send it, you're constantly sitting there going, okay, did I word it right? Did I say it right? Or are they gonna receive it right? Am I right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like think about it. Like, like, imagine sending a really important message with like a child. Going, well, I hope they get this right. This is in essence what this Roman centurion does, that he tells some friends, go to Jesus on my behalf and tell him what I need. And I wonder if he sat back and thought, well, I hope they get it right. See, think about it. If he would have went on his own, like he could have bowed down in front of Jesus and said, I'm not worthy. If he would have went on his own, he said, now, Jesus, like if I could bargain with you a little bit, if you'll just please do this on, on my behalf, then I promise for the rest of my life, I'll do this for you. Like he could have went, if Jesus was like, well, I don't know, he could have like bargained some more, right? But that's not what he did. He offered it up and he trusted the process. He just left it right there in front of Jesus. That he sent with his friend word, just tell Jesus I'm not worthy. All, all, worthy. all he has to do is say the word. Because that's what we need to do when we bring it to Jesus is we need to trust the process. Now we need to say that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept the evidence and then I'm going to claim the authority and now I'm just going to trust the process. That I'm just going to bring it before Jesus and I'm going to trust him with everything. And, and here's what it means. It means sometimes when you bring that to Jesus, he's gonna say yes. And there's other times the answer you're gonna get is no. And well, does that mean that, that when I trusted him with the process on, or when he said yes, I had great faith that, that he marveled at? Well, like when he says yes, does, does that mean that, that in that moment that, that, that he saw it and that I amazed him? And does that mean when he says no, that, that he saw my faith and, and it amazed him in the lack of it and he didn't marvel at it? No, that's not what it means at all. See, when, when I trust the process, I give it all to Jesus and whether he says yes or no, I trust him. And as I trust him, this is what I know. He amazes me. That, that, that if I will allow myself to step over to this side of that coin and say, Jesus, I want to do everything I can and I want to live out an act of faith and I want, I want you to be amazed. I want you to marvel at my faith. I want you to be a proud of it. I want you to approve of it. Anytime I do that, I am always amazed by Jesus because of the way he shows up. Like, like when I was over here and I didn't believe in Jesus and all I thought about Christians was that they're boring and that they're rule followers and I'd have no life. And then the day I accepted Christ and he changed my life, I've been amazed by Jesus daily. Amen. Well, like maybe you're over there and you're like, I, I just don't trust him with my finances. I, I just, like, like, like I might give him a little bit here or there, but I'm not gonna give him 10%. I can't trust him. Listen, if you will trust him, if you'll have this act of faith, I truly believe you'll be amazed by Jesus. I, I'll say that because I have been. I have been. People will say you can't outgive God. It's true. You can't. I remember a couple years ago, we were going through an initiative as a church 
to, to, to do some of the things that, that are happening right now, that we are building out our kids' wing or raising money to do that. We are raising money to build out Aner. We are raising money so that we could plant churches internationally and globally. Right now, we're in the process of, of getting ready to launch a South Strand campus down in the Merle's Inlet, St. James area. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. But all of that is happening because two years ago, as a church, we challenged everybody to give in a way that you've never given, to just trust God with it. And I remember Chris and I, we sat down and we looked at our finances and we were like, all right, this is what we feel like we need to give to the Lord over the next two years. And I'll be honest, I looked at the number and I said, there's no way. It was the largest number that I'd ever thought about giving to the Lord. It was the highest percentage that we'd ever thought about giving to the Lord. I'm like, there is no way that this is even possible, but God in faith, we're gonna do it. And I will tell you over that two year window, we gave more to the Lord than we ever have in our life. And while we did that, check this out, while we did that, we also got debt free besides our house. I mean, how does that work? How, I mean, how, how does that even work that we'll give away more than we've ever given, yet we'll totally reduce our debt and be in a better financial place than we've ever been in our life? Only by God. He amazes us. Some of you are single and you're just like, I don't know if I can trust Jesus with my single. I don't know if he'll bring the right guy into my life. So I gotta go find the right guy and I'll try this and I'll tell you. What if we just said, Jesus, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna bring the right guy into my life. I'm gonna trust that you're gonna bring the right person into my life. And what about your career or your calling? I don't know if I can trust you with all that. Some of you have heard that, that Timmy Tyner, who's our executive pastor and his wife, Shelby, that they accepted a call two weeks ago to leave and go do international mission work full time. All right, this is a husband and wife with three little kids. All right, and I know I can speak on behalf of Shelby for this, that you're over here going, this seems crazy. I don't know, but Jesus, I'm gonna trust you. And I can tell you, both of them have said, since the 10 days ago when they announced this, God has amazed them and amazed them and amazed them. Amen? That if you'll have an act of faith, you might just amaze Jesus, but I can guarantee he'll amaze you. So why, why would I wanna live here? Why would I wanna live with a lack of faith? Why don't I just leave that? Why don't I throw my hands up? Why don't I just say, Jesus, I'm coming at you. I'm not gonna be shy anymore. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna accept the evidence. I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna claim your authority in my life and over every situation. And then I'm gonna trust you with the process. Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we throw our hands up? Why don't we come to Jesus? Why don't we walk with Him? Why don't we, whether that's taking communion, taking a step of baptism, responding to Him in faith, let's stand up, let's throw our hands up, and let's trust Him with it. Let's trust Him with it.